and share a little bit of what God is doing uh, in and through Cornerstone, but also just what she, what is, he has laid on her heart to share with us uh, from God's word. So Carrie, if you would welcome Carrie. Thanks for coming. <laughs> to Thank you so much. It's great to be with y'all this morning. You are so blessed to be part of a community that doesn't just care about where people are spiritually, but they care about where they are holistically. In uh, the message version of Scripture, in Ephesians 1, Paul says, Jesus came to make us whole and holy. And I love that. Don't you love that? That we have a Savior who said, it's not just about you knowing me, but it's about you knowing who I say you are right? That's wholeness and holiness combined. So I'm so thankful to be part, um, to share with you this morning and part of that mission. And so on behalf of my staff and all of Cornerstone, we're honored to partner with you all in that mission. All right, so I don't know how many of you have ever watched the movie, or maybe you've read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, okay? If you haven't, y'all need to go do that today, okay? Because it's very important that you know this. But, and I won't spoil it all for you if you haven't seen it, but I am going to kind of, kind of allude to some things in here. So in this story, there are these kids who press through this wardrobe and they, they land out in a whole world that's called Narnia. And this whole world is covered in snow And um, it's because of the White Witch, who is the evil presence, who has taken over all of Narnia, where it is always winter and never Christmas, that would be discouraging, right? And so that's, that's what's going on there. And so they get there. And unfortunately, one of their brothers, Edmund, is um, kind of drawn in by the white witch, and and she kind of lures him in with candy, because, you know, that works for kids. And uh, so she lures him in with candy, and and he kind of gets into this greedy role, and so he's off with her. He's been taken by her. And the other three, um, Peter, Susan, and Lucy, are trying to figure out, what do we do? How do we get our brother back? What are we going to do here? What is happening in this world? world because this is not like their world where we have talking animals. This is just not normal, you know, so they're getting adjusted. So all of a sudden they hear this jingle bell kind of thing coming and they're like, oh no, it's the white witch. She's coming back for us. But instead, the good news is Father Christmas shows up. And that's kind of like a representation of Santa Claus, right? So he shows up and he says, I have something for you. And so he opens his bag, and you know, on Christmas, we're all thinking, oh, he's going to give him a present. So nice, right? But he instead pulls out, he says, I have something from Aslan. Now, Aslan is the lion. He is the Jesus character in this whole story. And so he pulls out things that are tools, not toys. This is really, really important. Father Christmas says, I have tools from Aslan for you. And so he gives Peter a sword and a shield, and he says, you're going to need these. Have them ready. And he gives Susan uh, a bow and arrow and this horn that can sound all through Narnia to call for help. And he said, hold these because you will need them. And then he gives Lucy a dagger and a healing cordial. And he says, you need to carry these with you because you will need them. And They take these tools that Aslan said, you need to deliver these to them because I know the journey that they have ahead of them, and they will need these. 
And so they pick up these tools and they actually carry them with them. They are going on an incredible journey where they eventually have to um, engage in a battle against the White Witch and her army. And, um, and Aslan takes part in that, and, and they do get their brother back. Sorry, spoil a little, but you'll have to watch the rest to see it all. All right, but here's the deal. These tools were given by someone who said, I care enough about you to give you what you're going to need for your journey. I can't make you take them, but I would really encourage you to do that because you're going to need them. And I love you enough to equip you with them. And they were also given by someone who said, when you use these, it's going to take courage. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to need these. So will you carry them with you? Because see, what would have happened is if they would have just been like, oh, that's not what I wanted, right? I really wanted a Lego figure or I wanted a video game, right? You gave me a tool, you know? And if, if they had just let the, set those down and said, forget it, I'm not taking that with me. At the time they needed it the most, they would not have what they needed. And they all three, you see times during this, this whole adventure where if they chose to say, ah, you know what? Sure, there's a wolf attacking us, but you know what? I'm not going to call for help. I mean, I have this tool, but I'm not going to use that. The whole story would have ended different. But these kids had enough courage to say, I'm going to carry these with me. I'm going to practice them so that when I need them most, they're ready. And I have them at the ready. They trusted the one who gave them. They were equipped for when they needed it. Now, this word equipped is huge. And in, if you're in our office at any day of the week, you're going to hear us using this word. Our staff, we, we believe in this word so much that when we have children, teens, and we have adults, we have marriages, families, when we're leading a group, when we're doing a training or a workshop in the community, we are always saying, how can we equip this person? How can we equip this family or this marriage? What tools can we give them? We can't make you pick them up. But we can extend them and say, I care enough about you to give you this tool to use. And if you will take it from here, carry it with you, and use it, it will be for your good. We believe in that so very much in our office. And that is, we will not do anything if we can't be equipping the people that we get to serve. And as I was talking with Pastor Brian, he was sharing with me that one of your core values is mentoring. It's making sure that you are being equipped and that you are also equipping others. And so we share this common value. And so I really kind of want to just tone in on this word equipped today because I think it fits in your values and it's also so much of what Cornerstone of Hope believes in and what we do. So today we're going to look in the book of Philippians. And I got to tell you, we're going to look in one book of the Bible, okay? You could go to any book and find something that's going to equip you, all right? Because God's Word is full of tools that equip us. But we're going to hang out in the book of Philippians because there's some real amazing truth here. Now, in the book of Philippians, Paul is writing a letter, and he's under house arrest. So this isn't just him sitting on the beach writing you a nice letter, okay? Like, he's been arrested because he loves Jesus, and he's, pre- he's preaching Christ, right? And he cares about people. So they arrested him, and he's under house arrest. So this isn't, like, the best day for him, right? But he's writing under this, and he's writing to the Philippians to touch base. He's already been with them, but now he's under this house arrest, so he's not with them. 
And he's touching base, but he's also writing to purposefully remind them about the tools he has already presented them and saying, you are equipped, now you must use them. And so I want to, we're going to look at his letter and see what he's saying. So he kind of bookends this letter with some really cool verses. And he starts it all out in Philippians 1. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He believed that what God had already started in the Philippians, that God had great plans to carry it on to completion. But he ends this letter with this verse. In Philippians 4, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So even though he says, I know God started good things for you, and I know he wants good and he wants to carry it on to completion, he says, but I have to give you tools for that journey so that you will put them into practice And then the God of peace will be with you. His presence and his peace. Not that it'll all be hunky-dory, but God's presence and peace will be with you. So we're going to go back through this letter. We're going to kind of start from the end and go backwards and say, what is Paul talking about? What is he saying when he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, what is he telling them to put into practice? What are some of these tools that he has equipped them with? So let's start with the word learned. Now, I don't know how many of you are just kind of like experiential learners. You know, I mean, like life happens and you learn about I have boys, so boys learn this way. We do this a lot at my house. Yeah, well, that's natural consequences, bud, you know. I mean, if you run through the house with a Nerf gun, you're going to run into the wall, right? This just happens. And so you have these just natural things. But Paul said, whatever you've learned from my life, I have experienced things myself, and I want you to learn from them. So one of the things that Paul teaches by his life experiences that perspective can change, that you are not stuck in the perspective you are in. Now listen to this. In Philippians 1, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being under house arrest, has really served to advance the gospel. Because of my change, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Do you hear what he's saying? His whole perspective on this house arrest has changed. He's saying, I'm not defeated. God is using this, right? And he says again towards the very end, right before he tells us to put into practice what he's already said. He said, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul, I cannot wait to meet Paul. I got to tell you, Paul and I are going to have a sit down in heaven, okay? Because Paul is a Holy Spirit-inspired cognitive behavioral therapist. He did not have to go to school like me, and I'm a little jealous about that. But God inspired him with such practical wisdom. Because God knew how he had wired us, he knew that we needed minds that are malleable, that can be changed, because otherwise we would just be stuck in our negative thinking right? And so God in his wisdom created us with minds that have neural pathways that can actually be changed by the way we think about things, and they can change our whole perspective. People ask me all the time, okay, what is hope? And I tell them, a lot of times, it is a a God-given new perspective on your situation. 
Paul had this. He realized whatever was happening, I'm not stuck. There is something here that God is working in, and God says, that does not intimidate me. I can use this for my glory. And so Paul said, I need to equip you, Philippians, with the gift of perspective. You, if you could do this, if you could grab hold and realize what God's doing, if you could look for those things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if you could gear your mind towards that, something in your mind will shift, and then you will have a new perspective on your situation. How many of you have been equipped with a new perspective? And how many of you actually equip others with that as well? He also told them through his life, through how he had lived, this is the learning part, he said, I'm teaching you that people can change because Paul did. Paul was not always Paul, remember? He was Saul and he was actually a murderer. So he's got some drastic life change going on, right? And he is telling them about his history. And in Philippians 3, he says to them, he's saying, Now, I used to have confidence in my flesh. I used to be able to, and he was saying, here's all the things that I was about. And in that list, he says, I was a Pharisee. I was, I had zeal, but that was for persecuting the church. So basically, I was killing people for loving Jesus. And I was legalistic. Like, he's given all this stuff. He is not ashamed to say, here's where I was, and here is where God has taken me. Because later he says, all of that, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. I think this is so powerful because Paul is saying, I want to equip you Philippians with the gift of authenticity. We we are scared of being authentic with each other in the body of Christ. And that is so sad because we don't have to be ashamed of anything. We can say, here's where I was, but I'm not there anymore. Here is where God has taken me right? And that is a huge gift. He was equipping them. Do you ever share your story? Do you ever find someone who's either physically younger than you or spiritually younger than you and say, can I tell you my story? Can I tell you where I came from? Can I tell you where I was and where I'm, where I'm at now? When we do this, especially with our kids, oh my word, we become real people to them, right? That is huge for us to do. And so Paul is saying, I I want to equip you with the gift of authenticity. Would you take that tool and use it in your life? Will you pick it up? He also taught them that resiliency is being part of following Christ. Uh, In Philippians 3, later there, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So here's the deal. Resiliency is a big word. We use this a lot in our office. We have a whole school program that we're going into schools and teaching them how to be resilient. Resiliency is basically when you become a bouncy ball, okay? You know how bouncy balls work? They go down and they come up, right? That's good news. They don't flatten like pancake, right? They're not just stuck. They go down and they come back up. That is resiliency. When life is hard, you say, this was hard. God, how do we move from here? 
That is resiliency. And Paul had it. He said, I need to forget what is behind it. Here's, here's what's so cool about Paul. He said, he's, I think he's thinking. I, I would, I, again, he and I are having a lot of conversations in heaven. But my guess is he's saying, I have to forget and put behind me both what I have done. Because sometimes we live in such shame of what we have done that we don't move. We don't move forward. We're, we feel stuck. But you are not you are absolutely not stuck. He said, I have to leave that guilt of what I've done behind so that I can move forward so that God can do great things through me. But he also said, I think he means, I also have to forget what was done to me because he was unjustly arrested, right? For some, he didn't harm anybody, but he was unjustly, something unjust was done to him. And he said, I have to forget both my past of what I've done and what was done to me so that I can move forward with resiliency, press on towards the goal so that God can keep using me. He is saying to the Philippians, are you equipped with the courage to be resilient? Are you equipping others with that? Do you live in such a, is that real for you? So that you can share that with others. Say, do you see that in my life when hard things have happened? I do survive them and I move beyond them. This is so cool because God did not make us to be stuck. He intentionally equipped us with skills to move beyond things. So what are the people around you learning from your life? How is your life being lived out the way it is, equipping others with perspective, authenticity, or courage? All right, so that's the word learn. Now we've got received. So to receive something, you kind of have to be with someone, right? And so Paul had physically been with the Philippians. He had been hanging out with them and probably having dinner and, you know, those kind of things, right? He'd been hanging out with them, but now he was away, so he was corresponding And he says to them, I thank my God every time I remember you. So he had to interact with them for them to even trust what he was writing, right? Now, this is really, really important. When you work with young people, do you know that respect is not just given to you? Respect is earned. And we have to earn that respect by actually letting them know they mean something to us. Do you know that? It is so important for if you have a young person in mind or just someone younger than you spiritually, do you know their name? Do you actually interact with them? Do you say anything? Do you let them know they care? What Paul did, he equipped them with value. He said, your lives matter, and I need to be with you, and I want you to know God has told me I matter no matter what I did, and now I equip you with the same value. Do you know the name and story of someone around you? Are we representing Emmanuel, which is God with us, right? We become that representation to others. He has equipped us to equip others. In your life, with what you have, what people receive from you, are they being equipped by you to know God more? Then he says, heard, whatever you've heard from me. Now, Paul would often refer to what he had already told them. He kind of like repeated what was important. Now, uh, I live with two little men, and one is bigger than me now, but uh, I have to repeat things. Do you ever do this as parents? Like, I've told you this already, right? I'm going to tell you it again, right? But there's a reason we do that, because if it matters, it needs to be repeated, 
right? And so he says, in Philippians 3, he says, it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. Why is it a safeguard? Because Paul said, if I, I told you when I was with you, and I'm going to tell you when I'm away from you. I'm going to keep this in front of you. I'm going to keep telling you what your tools are. I'm going to keep reminding you of the God we serve. I am going to keep this in front of you because it matters. And if I don't keep telling you these things, and I don't keep equipping you with these things, I don't keep extending tools and saying, here they are again, would you pick them up? Would you do something with these? He said, you won't think it's important, right? Uh, Howard Schultze is uh, the, the CEO of a, a major uh, hotel chain, and he said, if it is important, it has to be repeated. And he goes over with his staff every day they come to work. They go over again. How will we treat customers? How will we do this? How are we going to manage things today? Because he said, if I stop, they will stop caring about those things. And that is so much what Paul is saying, but it's also what God said when he was giving the Israelites a law in in order to follow. He said, talk about it when you sit, when you rise. Write it on the doorpost and doorpost of your heart and your door. He was saying, you need to keep repeating it or you're not going to realize it's important. I had a grandpa who told us stories over and over every time. You know, like, yes, grandpa. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember when that happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. But do you know what? I don't forget them. And they were stories of God's provision in his life. And I don't forget them. So even if you feel like it's, I already said this, tell it again. Tell it again. This is important. If it matters, it must be repeated. This is how Paul is saying, I will equip you with truth. The more you hear it, the more your brain gets it, the more it creates and strengthens neural pathways. And when you actually put that into practice, it really strengthens that neural pathway that now your brain is going to go in a positive direction. That's why he's a cognitive behavioral therapist. See, got that in there? All right. So he's saying, how, how would you people hear you? When they hear you talk, Can they hear that you have been equipped by God's word? That you've picked up tools and you use them? And are you equipping others with truth? And then he said, whatever you've seen in me. Paul lived by example. In Philippians, he said, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Now, I love this. Do you know that you're a visual person? I mean, we, we take in everything visually, right? I think that's why Jesus spoke in parables, so we could imagine it. All through Scripture, there's so many different metaphors and knowledge, so we can kind of like get a picture in our heads of what's going on, right? We look for these things. We need these. And Paul is saying, I am going to give you a visual demonstration of how to live this out. I'm going to show you. And so he said, I will equip you with these tools. I will show you how to do it, but you must pick them up. You must do it. Me doing it, that's my journey. You must now pick these up and do it. And that is, that is that question of seeing. So when people see you, when they see you, do they see things that equip them that say, I could do that, I could model that, I saw them do that, wonder if that would work here. Paul, again, he said, whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. He's saying, I, all I can do is give you these tools, Philippians. He said, you must pick them up, or they will do you no good. 
Now, do you think that he knew that would take courage? Yeah. Just like when Aslan equipped the, t- the kids with the tools, it wasn't like this is going to be a piece of cake. Picking these up requires courage. It takes courage to pick these up. But if you don't, there will be a cost to you that is grave, that is harsh, right? These tools are there for your good, and you must pick them up, and you must use them. And the promise is that the God of peace will be with you. He will be present, and he will give you peace. That is a promise when we use the tools that he has given us. God's word is full of these. Again, it's not just the book of Philippians. It's the whole Bible. When you spend time reading your Bible, have you, have you ever asked God, God, as I read today, what's the tool you need me to pick up? What's the thing you need me to take with me and actually put into practice today? How do I live your word? How are you equipping me so that I can be equipping others? This is how we make disciples, right? These tools won't just show up. They have to be practiced over and over and over. His word equips us with tools of perspective, authenticity, courage, value, truth, resiliency, and he shows us how to live it out. I don't know how many of you have seen Captain America, but uh, the first Captain America, when um, he is uh, pretty scrawny, right? He hasn't gotten a serum that turns him huge. Um, And so he's kind of scrawny, and he's at boot camp because he really wants to be part of of the army. And they're trying to figure out who's a good candidate for this, right? Who's the guy that's going to go forward and take this serum and be a a really solid soldier and, and, and honestly a hero? And so they, the, the, one of the generals takes a grenade, and he, it's not a real one, but he throws it in, they don't know this, into the middle of all these guys. And you have Carl Rogers, who is really scrawny and little, and then you've got all these big buff dudes around him, and he can't even keep up with them physically. And when this grenade, and somebody says, grenade, then all of these really, really buff dudes, they just back off. They're like, ah, and they take cover. But Carl Rogers leaps down, covers it, and says, I've got it. And it never went off, thank goodness. But here's the key. Carl Rogers had allowed himself to be equipped with tools of sacrifice, tools of caring for others above himself, right? Tools of resiliency. And he had practiced them throughout his life so that when the moment came when he needed it most, it was natural to use it. While the others had not been practicing those things, when the moment came, they weren't ready to use those tools. They didn't have them to use. And then he was chosen because of his character. This is, I think, part of what God wants us to do. This is why Aslan equipped the kids with tools and said, you have to take them with you. You have to practice them. You have to learn to use them every day so that when the hard stuff comes, it won't be a shock to you. And you won't be like, oh, what do I do now? It cause, calms all of that anxiety because you know you have the tools that God has given you to apply. He is equipping you, and he's equipped us so that we can equip others in the way we live our lives. I want to end uh, with a, uh, just a really sharing something with you from he- the book of Hebrews. It's a kind of an admonition to you, and then I want to pray for you. It's from Hebrews 13. It says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. May the God of peace, there's that promise again, may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, I thank you for these brothers and sisters of mine. I am so thankful that we serve a God who loved us enough to say, I will equip you for this journey. I will not just expect you to know what to do, but I will give you what you need. You must pick up the tools and use them. Father, you're too loving to force it on us, but you are loving, ever so loving enough to equip us. Father, I pray that these in this room would, would read your word with a new, new take on it, would say, God, what are the tools that you're telling me today that I need to pick up? Would I have courage to use them now so that when the moments come when I need them most, they're part of who I am, which is part of who you are? Father, thank you for loving us that much. Would you be with this congregation, this body of Christ, as they impact each other, as they impact people younger than them, as they impact their community? Would you equip them to be equippers in your name?